Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Lemonade. Because let's face it, we could all use a little sweetness right now. Welcome to Lemonade. Allie, what's lemonade? Hello. Oh, hi. <laughs> hi, I'm here. Directional mic. I'm actually eating. <laughs> Thanks for starting. I'm right like now. rushing her. Because I'm in the mood. I got, I'm on a high now. Um, yes. So lemonade. The whole big deal is um, there's been a lot of stuff that's happened over the past last year that hasn't been so super great. And we want to point out some people who've done some cool things like pivoting and leaning into the opportunities they do have now in this world that's a little bit different maybe. And just some humans that are doing some cool, inspirational Nice things. And so that's what we want to highlight, those people and those stories. And that's what Lemonade means. And you – we have a guest today that does that. Yes, we so sure do. I'm excited do. when he comes on. His name is Marcellus and we'll talk a little bit more about him in a second. Um, do you want to know what the pun is? Allie cut me off on puns, by okay. the way. She cut me off on like listing them because I thought they were hilarious. But <laughs> I'm still going to list them. She thought by cutting them off on our descriptions, on our episode titles, that I was going to get rid of them and I'm not going to get rid of them. <laughs> no, I never expected that. I knew you were going to continue. <laughs> um, we're just not going to. See, this way people can <laughs> find our episodes, know what they're about. But I still want you to do the, pun, the oh, puns. The puns are. Oh, you yeah. do? Yeah, oh, I now do. you want it. I did. All right, you ready? I always wanted them. I just didn't want them to be. Um, not the according to the recordings. <laughs> <laughs> you did not. All right, you ready? I'm ready. Episode. Ooh, seven is a place on earth. <laughs> I actually like that because I love that song. So well done. Fuck, you're supposed to hate. <laughs> I don't. I, I like w- it. I <laughs> I won. Mm. I love Seven is a Place on Earth. Seven is a Place on Earth. Oh, but we're not going to list it in the description. So find it yourselves, bitches. Sorry, Grandma. Dang. Oh, we need our bell. Shoot. It's in the other room. We'll do it for another time. We're still time. donating uh, to 12 Months of Giving, which is a uh, charity, by the way, if you're interested in helping out. If you're in L.A. or if you're not and you want to donate remotely, uh, Jordan Taylor, who's an amazing woman, she um, is a real estate entrepreneur, formal model, and just an amazing soul. Anyway, she has this thing called 12 Months of Giving, and it goes to support the uh, homeless living on Skid Row who need things like personal care kits and food. So so that's what it goes to. So that's what our swearing is supporting. We're up to like 50 bucks, just so everyone knows. We're not even going to feel that bad about it. We need to swearing. start charging our guests. Like, Going it's not it. our fault. You're like, right. Eddie caused us a lot of issues. Oh, Eddie costs us a lot of money. Yeah. Eddie owes Eddie, us. You owe us. You're in debt, Eddie. You owe us a lot. Darn it. It's a good thing you're cooking for me tomorrow night. I'm going to take you up on it. <laughs> Eddie's a more, I'm more like Eddie Falmouthah. <laughs> That was no, it's not good. That was interesting. <laughs> what happened to you this week? Oh my god! So you can see, I have a, I have a, I have a, a wound. Oh. Guess how I did it? Burning yourself, cooking, shocking. <laughs> Look at me, I'm shocked. And it it's, makes it a nice accompaniment to the scar that I have on my <laughs> forearm. So 2021 has been my time to start cooking, as I was telling Meg, and I now have one scar and one really horrible gash on my finger, which is going to be really funny because I have a shoot tomorrow for a cosmetics company. And it's not a to... hand commercial, is it? it? No, but there will be hands featured. I'm supposed to get a manicure. Oh, my God. What are you going to do? Here's the thing. When you're putting on lip stuff, you don't really see the middle finger, which is where my burn is. So I think I can skate without them noticing oh. too much. Oh, no. It's an occupational hazard. <laughs> it's also just... third world problems. Yeah. How is Allie going to model this uh, tomorrow? You're, you're joking. Her? My boyfriend and I that I need to, like, insure myself. <laughs> <laughs> you should insure your middle finger for I'm sure. Really That's a valuable clumsy. finger. Yeah. I insure my middle finger. This this I thing's mean, gotten me more it's... trouble and money. <laughs> you get a lot of mileage on the middle finger. Yeah. So you burnt yourself. Yep. Burnt myself this week. Um, and then... Lots of stuff's been going on around. So it's been a busy week work-wise, which is great. But also some weird stuff's happened. Like we have um, – I don't even know if I want to get into the story because I kind of feel – I kind of feel bad. It's like a NIMBY. Like you've heard the acronym NIMBY? No. It stands for Not In My Backyard. It was big. I think like – I don't know, 60s, 70s. It has to do with like the people that live in gentrified areas didn't want people that, you know, were – of you know, people they deem to be 
undesirable living in their area so or things that they didn't like happening in their backyard. So whether it was drug use or crime or any of that kind of thing. So I've got a gentleman, trying to be politically correct, who is living in my parking space. <gasps> no. Yeah. And I've seen it, so I'm envisioning. It's the alleyway between is like – Is he single? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he is. I'm getting <laughs> desperate. Going on a wild. I'm just going to go I feel like your parking lot's a step up from my uh, yeah. studio apartment. <laughs> I mean, if he's willing to move in on a really quick basis. He will not. And he's got a whole tent and a whole setup and a whole, like, community. And I know right now it's been really tough with COVID and different le- legislation. And our governor, I'm not going to even get into politics, but I'll just say our governor and our mayor have passed these moratoriums on – laws and enacting law enforcement that would uproot or otherwise move homeless people or people who are doing things in other people's literally on their property. Like they can't do anything about it because um, unless there's a crime being committed, it's just need to let it go. So that's what we're living in right now. Um, And anyway, there's a gentleman there and he – he's been a problem. He's – this morning he decided he was going to – Walk around with a knife doing karate in the <gasps> air, air karate with a knife. Oh, my God. And so I finally – and I didn't want to call, but finally I was like, I got to call. So oh, yeah. I've been calling the 311, the non-emergency number, and finally I was like, well, gosh, they're not doing anything with the 311. I'm going to call in the big guns, yeah. the 911. So yeah. I did. And, of course, they want to know what he's done. Has he you know, accosted anybody? Is you know, Has he stabbed anybody? I'm like, well, no, but that's why I'm calling you. He's <laughs> like, going, you want him to stab someone before I call too you? La- yeah, I mean, it's too late. By the time that that happens, it's too late for, um, you know, for you guys to intervene. So essentially, they said we can't do anything. It's not a not illegal to have a knife. It's not illegal to yell. It's not illegal to, you know, fake karate chop the air. Is it illegal to take your parking spot? Apparently not. What are they doing? Okay, rant time. My car got broken into in L.A. two years ago. Broken into. Oh, geez, yeah. And it was middle of the day in Culver City. Um, for those of you who don't know, it was a big – Culver City has these steps that go up and you can see the whole city and it's hiking. And there's hundreds of people hiking in this area. And a van comes by, breaks my window, steals my purse out of the back of my car because I was hiding it, steals a bag, steals my ID that was in it, all of it. Um, It goes to three more cars that are parked up the street and does the same thing to them all midday. There were people that witnessed. People called. People took pictures of the van. People took pictures of the van, of the people stealing shit and the license plate. Ah, So we tell the cops. We turn the shit into the cops. Here is the van. Here is the license plate. Here is the picture of the people. The cops, I get on the phone with them a couple days later to follow up, and they say this. I am not joking. They say, well, we went to the guy's house, and they said they didn't do it. Yeah. I mean. What? They did it. So I could murder somebody? I could stab somebody. And as long as I say, hey, it wasn't me, the cops would be fine with that. And then on top of it, L.A., this is the fa- my favorite part about the L.A. cop call. He said, well, lady, this isn't like you see on CSI, okay? This isn't the same like CSI or NCIS. We don't solve crimes like that. Literally what he said to me. Hmm. So they can't they can't stop a knife. They so can't what get you him. doing there, buddy? What are you doing? What yeah. are you doing? And I'm trying to stay positive. It's a funny no, story. It's hard. What are and you I have doing? to say, cops obviously, you know, that they get a lot of they have a lot of crap they've got to deal with. And they do there are some really great cops. And also sometimes lately they do have their hands tied with various legislation, especially during COVID in LA, I'll just say it's been it's been a new legislation that they can't really do much. I mean, they're under orders from the mayor to not do anything about the homeless. Which scares the shit out of me. Again, this is not any specifically politically oriented thing, but I am going to write a letter to the mayor um, and essentially just tell him what's going on. And there's a big homeless problem. Um, you want to be compassionate and try to rehabilitate people, but also – you know, we, we need to have programs in place to do that. And it can't just be – I'm not just talking about arresting people that are just on the street. I'm talking about the people that are violent or pose a threat. You know, those people need to come off the street and, and maybe go into, you know, 
some incarceration situation. But the other people, we need mental health, mental health you know, support. We need, um, we need all that stuff. That's the fucking problem. Excuse my language. Yeah. We need um, to focus on mental health. It's insane. And where I come from, we have like one homeless person named Stan who walks around with his shirt off in the summer. Like that's where I come from in my city. When you come here, like I, I went to my dentist's office and had to. There's no chairs in the waiting room. That we were not allowed to sit in the waiting room, but right across the street, you were allowed to, you know, set up an entire home on a t- in a tent, and it, it, you can't even walk in without getting harassed, and you can't go to Venice Beach right now without being like scared. I used to homeless; it used to be fine. You can walk by, ignore, or give, or do whatever. But now it's scary. They yell and they chase you, yeah, and they, it's getting it's getting scary. They interact with you, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree. Um, so anyway, and it's hard to, you know, there's, I see both sides. You, you want to be compassionate to that, to that situation and that plight, which, you know, we're all lucky that we don't have to, to, to be there, but um, there's a lot of scariness happening right now. So yeah. anyway, we need help people. We, uh, I would Get, come up you, with ideas. If anyone has any ideas that are innovative or if you innovative want to write, ideas. write a letter to your local, um, you know, folks in charge, sometimes, you know, you never know enough of that can make a difference. Um, you guys, we've got an amazing guest. We have my personal friend and neighbor. And also we have um, the exceptional man that is a celebrity fashion stylist. Or he wants us to know sometime celebrity fashion stylist, uh, casting producer and author, Marcellus Reynolds. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you for having me, neighbor friend. Hi. <laughs> so excited. Yay. <laughs> so I always laugh because Marcellus has some amazing things happening and he's always just right next door. And I'm like, I wonder what Marcellus is doing right now with all of his clothes, as you can see. <laughs> right? Found them. It's just. <laughs> it makes a great backdrop. It's bad. Good. After the pandemic, I can't fit any of them now. So, you know, yeah. all <laughs> I'm sure that's an exaggeration, but you know, I think we're all kind of in that boat too. Are so. they color coordinated? Are there's like is there I think color? They are. Yeah. Is there a system you have to organize it, them? It goes suits and blazers. Blazers are wait. Suits are on no, blazers are on one <laughs> end, suits are on the other end, and then it goes inward towards color, right? Gotcha. And so um so it starts with like the lighter colors and then it gets like a little bit darker again if you see like where it is. So these are all my like black and gray shirts, then my black blazers, my dark blazers, my dark suits, and then it gets lighter. And then the black and gray shirts are always like kind of the separation between the suits and the blazers. Ooh, smart. <laughs> and also easy to find. It's like pragmatic. You can find things. Oh, my Listen, gosh. Like leaving this house and getting dressed when I used to leave this house and I used to get dressed. <laughs> I was going to say, I haven't seen you outside anytime. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I am. Um, my organization back home in my my Colorado town would be um, once in a while I would make a rainbow in my closet and I would sing the song to make sure I knew like red, it's color of an apple, orange, and I'd have to do it over and over again. And that was the extent of my um, organization. That was the extent of the color cord? Okay, I guess <laughs> I put on a mask and come to your house. I mean, I don't want to say it's a competition, but I think you win. <laughs> Of course the gay guy wins in that area. <laughs> yeah, we didn't stand a chance. I didn't stand a chance. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I come from a um, kind of, I would say, a cow town, and I recently moved to L.A., and I'm meeting a lot of people, thanks to Allie here, too. Um, I have never talked to anybody ever in the fashion industry. So this is a huge deal wow. for me. Goodness, girl. I okay, know. Well, ever. I'm so excited. Like, I'm up. freaking out. Like, I used to watch, you know, America's Next Top Model, like, constantly at home. Be like, oh, that that world is so far away from me. But maybe it's not. I mean, he's right you there. You are so close to it right now. He's you're, right there. You're, a, you're a three degrees of Kevin Bacon type, type situation. Yes. I've got some crazy Tyra Banks stories, but I'm going to try to be nice this episode. I'm going to try to demystify, you know, like there's, um, well, I'm going to try to demystify fashion for you, but there's also that myth that every, that myth that everyone in fashion is like kind of cold and bitchy and I'm not cold or bitchy. So I'm not going to be like, you know, it's not going to be like the devil wears Prada where I'm like, you know, Trying to explain <laughs> the difference between blues and <laughs> better 
you know, no, that's not my life. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Amazing, though. (laughs) I wouldn't mind if it was either way. I'd just sit back with my wide eyes and be like, oh, my God. I'm Um, excited for the mean, the the, the mean fashion person. And I'm not. That's okay. The devil does not wear Prada today. (laughs) But Marcellus is fabulous, though, just not as mean. So I think that that works. Which is the best. That's probably the best. I don't I I couldn't handle them. I, I would cry. I would cry. Be- well, Allison has actually seen me in my element. She, we, um, I've actually styled her yes. for a job. <laughs> for a job. That's my neighbor that's like walked past my door, you know, a million <laughs> times. She's also been on set with me, so she knows what I'm like when I'm like in my element. So. Oh, yeah. And it's it's a wonder to behold. So organized and not all stylists, I can tell you from my experience that spans a few years now, um, not all stylists are that organized. And you knew exactly you know exactly what you what you want and what you know you have and everything's totally like right in line. Um, yeah, I only wish that we had I remember you put a fabulous sequin something on me. And it was like a Shania Twain or something. This was for a United uh, ad that we did like a couple years ago, I think. And um, and I don't think they really – we couldn't see it too much because I was sitting down in these stupid plane seats. <laughs> bring these like beautiful clothes, like outfits, and I'd have them like planned out to like the like the last – this is the ring you're going to wear. This is the <laughs> This is the cuff in the yeah. pants. This is how I'm going to roll the jeans. I and then I my get- wedding. All styled out perfect. And And it's like, no, we're going to do a side profile shot. You're going to see half of her shoulder and half of the sweater she's wearing. (laughs) It's the way it works sometimes. So you grew up in Chicago, from what I understand? Born and raised on the south side of Chicago. Yes. Are you missing the cold weather? (laughs) I am not missing the cold weather and I'm not missing that amount of snow, but um, every now and then, if I don't get home during the winter, I do sort of miss it. Cause when you grow up, it's sort of in your blood and I miss the outfits, you know, it's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, there's theater to that. Like your coat, your scarf, your gloves, your hat, you mm-hmm. know, what shoe are you going to wear? Are you going to wear like a boot, you know, like that kind of thing. And we just don't get that here in LA. And then when people wear Uggs here in LA and it's like 80 degrees, they just look stupid. So it's like, you know. <laughs> How much snow did you trudge through to get from Santa <laughs> yeah. Monica to Venice? Well, <laughs> on the Uggs. Um, I, I just moved here, obviously, from Colorado. So I am not missing the cold weather yet, but I know, I feel you. I wish you would have been my cheerleader though when I was going to work at like five in the morning in the snow and been like it's theatrical you're gonna look great wear your gloves put that hat on yeah I needed you I needed you then you have to hold the glove like this (laughs) (laughs) don't put your coat wear it as a cape (laughs) although now right I mean I'm laughing the one good thing about mask wearing is like you know those days when it's freezing and it's Chicago and it's like two degrees like the mask would really help in the winter like covering your face up was always a great idea and I wish I'd had that a couple years ago (laughs) never wanted to wear a mask I remember when we were little my mother would put us in like the mask and all you saw was the eyes and the mouth and we were all but then it would get like wet yeah and it was like kind of gross so we'd be like I don't want to wear the mask and as soon as you walk out the door you take the mask off you know then you've got frosting ears so mother (laughs) So funny. Um, oh so God. you were discovered while working as a waiter, which I always respect people who have been in the restaurant industry for at least a little bit of time. Um, you know what? what happened that day? <laughs> um, I think that you should work in, you know, in um, in public service in some way. You know, I think you should be a waiter. You should work at retail because it gives you a a respect for people that do that, especially now in this climate where, you know, People that work at like Ralph's and people that work at CVS and the bus driver, those people are heroes that go to work every day and do that. Um, But I was uh, working my way through college. I was an English, I was an English major and a theater minor. And, um, and I was working my way through college slowly. I mean, I was like taking like what, like three credit, three credits a semester. You were, on the, you were on the five year plan. I like six, that. No, three credits a long year. Maybe seven, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, because you know, I was like, okay. what was I gonna do? I was gonna be either an English teacher and make no money or be an out-of-work actor and make no money. So it was like, okay, I'm, I'm making more money as a waiter than I was 
in my career. So, um, yeah, I was uh, I was working at a really popular restaurant, and I and the thing with the restaurant was you could make like three hundred to five hundred dollars a night, right? But you, in order to get the nights, you had to work at least one lunch shift, right? Mm-hmm. And I would always bitch about the lunch shift because I wouldn't want to get up that early. And then the lunch shift for the like lunch shift. <laughs> <laughs> just to clarify <laughs> you would make like a hundred bucks but so i would be like no money in this and i have to get up by like what 10 to get there at 11 30 so i would always get up before them. noon what <laughs> <laughs> literally blasphemy and, but we had to do it we had to work one shift so i'm working my penance lunch shift and i walk up to my first table and it happens to be three women and i don't know if you know this as a as a Waiters always think, well, if it's a table of women, they're not gonna they're not gonna tip well. They're going to want everything on the side, and you're gonna have to pay all this attention to them. Oh no, I, I didn't know that was a thing. It was totally a thing. I had no idea. I tip well, for the record. We both tip well. We're good so, tippers. You know, I don't believe that anymore, but that was the conventional wisdom back then. So I walk up to this table of three women. I like saunter up to the table and I'm like, hi, I'm your waiter, Marcellus. Today's specials are blah, blah, blah. And then one of the women looks up at me and she's like, oh my God, you're, you're attractive. You know, she said, <laughs> she said, you're really pretty. She was like, you're really pretty. You should be a model. And I was like, girl, have the salmon. Like I thought she was. <laughs> That's amazing. And she, was like, she was like, no, really. And then the other woman was like, no, really, this is so-and-so. And she owns Aria, Aria Models. And I was like, and I knew who Mar- Aria Models was because I had friends that were models. And I was like, oh, wow, really? And she was like, yeah. And then the third woman was like, and I own Centro in St. Louis. So literally they all give me their cards. They do have the salmon. (laughs) (laughs) That was, that was, aren't you glad you got up before noon? That was a productive shift. (laughs) It totally changed my life. It totally derailed me in the most wonderful ways because I dropped out of school completely. And cheers to that. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I shot like a, it was long story short, it was coming because I had been working with photographers before that that would come in the restaurant. And they would be like, oh, I want to shoot you for Mademoiselle or, oh, I want to shoot you for Chicago Social. So I had film when they saw me. And so I just took that film in and then I did like one more test and then the card went out. And then a, a week to the day the card went out, I got my first booking. And then the next booking, I, the next week I had like three full days and it just snowballed from there. And I was like, Fuck waiting tables and fuck work. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. $500 a day. I'm out. Like, let's go. Oh, I love it. That's so cool. It's funny how life does. It can, you know, throw you some curveballs and things can change. Uh, you know, even when you think that you don't want to do something like taking a lunch shift, it can lead to some amazing, amazing things in your life. Your life has been like these happy um circumstances that just sort of happened out of the blue and my mother used to say you were born under the good moon you know what I mean and my sisters my sisters have like degrees and real jobs and then I'd come in and I'd be like I just booked Ralph Lauren I'm getting ten thousand dollars for the day and they were like that's amazing that's hilarious so good um speaking of little opportunities i don't know if this is anything i was reading some of like the first kind of like i don't know work that you did or companies you worked for and i noticed anheuser-busch was in there what first of all i'm a beer fan so (laughs) i'm a liquor fan or any kind of fan that involves boobs so i was like what in the world could fashion and Anheuser-Busch have in common? Okay, so I'll tell you. So there's, there, my life intersected in that way in a couple of ways. So you have to be at least 25 to do alcohol mm-hmm. in a market like Chicago. And so my agents were like chomping at the bit for me to get to 25 when I started to, <laughs> to be able to sell alcohol. And so I was like, I don't want to be 25. I, like, I want to stay 23, 24 forever. So when I finally hit 25, they finally called me and they're like, great, we're going to send you, we're going to submit you for all these alcohol ads. And I was like, kind of like, I don't want to do alcohol. I'm old. Like, this is old. 
Wow, it's like renting a car. It's like you yeah. have to hurt a certain age to do that. So I finally get my first alcohol ad, and it's for like Schlitz malt liquor. It's not even like a good brand. Oh it's my like god, that's amazing. Brand. But, but my agents are like, but you don't understand. I probably it's paid a billboard. It was a good, good gig, though. Yeah, and you're gonna make and, and and it's and you're gonna make blah blah blah. And when they did it, and when they, and when they when they resign it, you'll get extra. You'll get extra money and da 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 da. Meanwhile, I'm like, oh, I go to set and I'm like, it's fucking Schlitz. Excuse <laughs> me, I'm like, liquor. And so it's literally exactly what you think an ad for Schlitz malt liquor oh, would no. be. It was like a color block jacket. So oh, I looked like no. a video hall and I had on like crazy sunglasses and they're like, now sell it with attitude. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> and they're like all over the place. So my friends take, you know, I'm supposed to be this like posh boy and my friends are always constantly like, sending dying. Pictures. They love it. Yeah. On the billboard, or meet, or an ad in a magazine in like Ebony or Essence or something like some black, you know, because it's targeted advertising. And I would be like, "Oh my god, I just want to do like, I just want to go to Paris." Like, just... <laughs> <laughs> but oh, I will. Amazing. I made a ton of money off of that ad. So I while I'm expecting it, it was like one of the biggest jobs I ever shot because it was like that big sort of thing. That it was like, and my mother actually drove out to like Indiana and took a picture with the billboard, <laughs> except she couldn't get it right. So like, it was like part of you. Half of me is out, so it's literally like like the top of the three button jacket that's down to my knees and like. And then that's my amazing. I have another question. Of, this is a total amateur, weird fashion question. When you are. I always wonder when people are posing or when people are doing these ads, what in the hell is going through your head? Like, I wish I could pop up pictures of you right now. And I just want you to tell me what you think (laughs) is going through your head at that moment. So I, I was actually kind of this funny, this kind of funny thing, because when I came into the business, it was like 1995 and, it was like kind of the end of like the traditional like six foot two buffed out Marlboro man, like handsome guy. And it was like kind of like interesting looking people. And it was kind of um, shaved heads and it was kind of um, more boy next door, like more like sort of real. And so because I had been in acting, because I was an acting major and I had taken acting classes separate from that, I approached it like an actor. So I would always, so that's why I worked so much because the clients would be like, run, jump, do this, do that. And I would totally get into that character, right? And so you have the other models that are standing around trying to pose and blah, blah, blah. But then I was the model that was the, the spaz that was like jumping and running and skipping and didn't give a, didn't care what I looked like <laughs> because I was, it was like acting exercise for me. What would like somebody that was wearing clothes that was going back to school act like? You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I was completely self-conscious about looking like an idiot because it's just one image in that moment. You know what I mean? So even though at the time you might feel stupid, as long as they catch that image, it looks great. So that's always what I was thinking about. And generally I'm thinking about what's for lunch what boy I'm seeing after I get off. Um, <laughs> I would constantly be worried if I left like my stove on <laughs> and I would have that face. Mundane things in the world. You're not thinking deep thoughts. Yeah. But at the same time, as Allison can attest to, it's usually really fun. So you're in the moment and you're having fun with the photographer and the stylist and the other models. And it's just like a good time. It's like being at a party okay. that somebody's taking photos of. So. Yeah, you it know, can be I, on the good on the good jobs. <laughs> yeah, unless the rate sucks or the people are mean, you're sitting there and you're like, "What am I doing with my life?" I, oh yeah, there's the whole gamut. At least I've experienced everything in between. And yeah, there's those those shoots where you're like, "Oh god, I just need to I need to leave here. This needs to just be done." <laughs> Collect my paycheck. Goodbye. I never walked off a set. I never did that. Not once. I never, there were times where I should have walked off a set, but I've never walked off a set. I was never that temperamental, even as a stylist, 
when things were going wrong, I sort of just powered through. Yeah. It was a perfect. I worked with some difficult people, but you know, you find the joy in it. And basically you're making like, you know, more money in a day than like most other people would make. So it was like, it was like all relatively worth it. It's like, I can be uncomfortable for a day and then get out of here and go live my life, go buy myself a slice of cake or something and make myself feel better, you know? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I want cake. I yeah, want cake right cake. now. But um, okay, so <laughs> I know we can talk for you with you for hours. But basically, so you had this amazing journey from model to um, to I guess after that you did the the styling stuff right away, or was there a little bit of a was there anything in between that? No, I went right from I I modeled from like ninety five to two thousand and two thousand. I started styling. Mm-hmm. My first job as a stylist was like a cover and six pages for British Vogue, which sounds crazy. Yeah, amazing. Um, um, and then I just like sort of never looked back. I hated styling, and in an effort to kill that, I went and I did Big Brother because they 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 cast me to do the I was show. About to get up to the yeah. So reality star is the next phase. <laughs> Reality start was the next phase. I wish if there was one mistake in my life that I made, that mistake was doing Big Brother. Really? Yeah. It's it's hard to say that something is a mistake when I'm sitting here and I'm like now an author of a best-selling book and I'm finishing my second book and I've been a television host and I've been an actor on television shows. So I the, the original dream I had of being an actor actually sort of came to fruition through that. But Reality television opens you up to a scrutiny that um, you have to really be prepared for and you have to have really thick skin for. And I'm like kind of a softy and I take things to heart. So even though the like, I, you know, the really good stuff can be like going really, really loud over here. But the bad stuff that's like down here, that's the stuff I kind of listen to more than anything. Mm. And in reality television... You know, you've got the fans and 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 overwhelmingly part of there's a mocking that goes along with being, you know, a reality star. It's like, well, the person sitting at home is like, no matter how messed up my life is, at least I'm not this idiot that's like on a reality show. You know, what I mean? so I really sort of when I look back, I think, oh, God, that was a mistake. That was off brand for me to be like to be very 2021. That was off brand for me. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, that's. It. But you know, as you said before, though, you never really know. You know, one thing leads to another, and we never really know how when we step through that one door, what other doors open. So maybe that was all part of your your path that you were supposed to take. Um, but that being said, I totally, I totally get that. <laughs> but um, so then I remember when you were actually writing your first book and it was so exciting and you were super stoked on it. It was amazing just running into you in the hallway and you're like, I'm writing a book. And um, and I just loved seeing that that joy personified. Um, so tell us a little bit about the the first book, which came out la- early last year, was it? Yes. Supreme Models. Um, yes, it's Supreme Models. Um, it came out late 2019, but it really didn't hit its stride until 2020 because 2019 was for gift season. So it was like really big for Christmas. And then it really sort of caught on. It did really well for Christmas, but it had this like weird second and third life. Like it really caught on with the press after Christmas because it was kind of like, um, oh, wait, it's not just a pretty book. It's not just a good gift book. It's like it's a really pretty book and it's deep. I think people actually went back and read it. Mm-hmm. And then when Black Lives Matter happened and the pandemic happened, it took on this whole other life. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. Very early in the pandemic, my publisher called me and she was like, you just sold a thousand copies of the book in one day. That's and amazing. Like, what? Wow. And it was because people... You know, people were kind of trapped at home because of the pandemic, but also George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, all this horrible stuff had happened. And I think that people of all races were sort of trying to, like, figure out what the Black experience was. And they were really open to, like, learning more about the history of Black people and the, and Black people in general. And so I think that people just went to Amazon and started buying Black books and really trying to learn something about the culture more than they knew. 
And I mean, it was like for like three weeks, my 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 literary agent would be like, "You sold five hundred copies today. You sold two fifty today." It was like, it was just so crazy. Wow. And press just kept going. It just it kept going and going and going and growing and growing and growing. And we weren't gonna start even talking about the second book until like twenty until until like twenty twenty two. Like until for a 20, we're going to start talking about it in 2021 and we were going to launch it in 2022, but off the strength of the first book, when it just started selling like crazy and we had to do a reprint, then it was like, well, let's just rush out the second book. And so it's just like the second book comes out. I just got the date that the book comes out. Amazing. When does it come out? Um, it comes out October 12th, 2021. Wow. That is so frigging cool. I love that. Oh, so exciting. <laughs> it's been so, you know, it's been so weird, but I think that, I think that you have to, as humans are resilient, right? We keep going, right? And we keep going until we don't go anymore, until we're like dead. We keep, there's always hope. There's always desire. There's always um, passion. For something right no matter how like young or old you might be and I think that those of us that are like really dealing with this 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 kind of horrible time right now are the ones that were willing to pivot and the ones that were willing to just stay in the fight and keep going mm-hmm. you know my stylist career kind of ended because who's shooting and it was like, what am I going to do next? Well, bang, the door opened and my friends were like, oh, come work for us as a casting agent. And so I started casting and the same energy that I put towards being a stylist and a human and happiness and being happy, I put towards being a casting agent. And so I got to cast Supermarket Sweep, the Leslie Jones show, and that was a blast. And then I went right into another show for um, Little Rel Howry, who's this Black comedian who was in um, Get Out. That was a blast. And then, um, and now I'm casting a show, a fashion show, a fashion series about streetwear, which kind of took me back to my origins of like being like, you know, in high school and the clothes I used to wear then and the designers I loved then and um, the history of fashion really. So it's like, it's just all been, yeah, it's horrible because I miss going out. I miss going to Soho House with Allison. I miss like our I'm lives. still going. You should come with me. <laughs> Girl, I am not trying. I am not like no outside and safely for the record. But I will go to the Target. I will go to the bank. But I am not going like dinner. All right, all right. I wear a mask inside the house sometimes, just by yourself. Like I'm sitting there watching television in a full-on mask. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But I love that. I love what you said about, um, I think that's kind of ultimately like, that's what our whole entire show is about is, is finding positivity in situations. And this, this whole past year was really, I think everyone would agree that it was really not easy on most people. And I think you're totally right. The people that, you know, kind of grew a little bit more were the ones that were like, okay, I can change what I'm doing. I can pivot. I can, I can look for the opportunities aren't what they were before, but what can I do now and where can that lead me? And so I love that. And I love that for you, it led to maybe an earlier uh, release of your second your second work, which probably will mean an earlier release of your third and fourth or whatever that you know means thereafter. So I love that you just kind of embraced it, which is which is pretty cool. Well, it's also you have to you so we have all these different lives right as we like work as like we work our way through our life to the end of our life right so i've had all these you know started out as a waiter then became a model then became a fashion stylist then a reality star then a television host and now i'm an author and it finally for me it was all that time when I was doing all those other things. It was about trying to like be seen and be successful in the eyes of others. And it was always about me, me, me. You know what I mean? It's always about, I'm the, I want to be the best model. I want to be the best actor. I want to be famous. I want to be this. But when I fell into this sort of place of writing the books, it became less about me and it became, a, it became about telling the stories of other people and exalting their 
achievements. And the funniest thing about that whole thing is that happiness that I thought I was going to find if I got famous, mm. I found in writing books that celebrate other people. God, and I love tell- that. How cool is that? That's pretty that's- that's amazing, right? That was, and I didn't see that coming, you know? I didn't see that coming. You were around when the book first came out and every time I talked about the book, I got like crazy emotional. I was like, I, you know, and it wasn't like, people would be like, why are you crying? And I was, would be like, you don't understand that I finally found joy. I finally found this level of peace that I hadn't had the whole time I was like running around Milan or going to like a hundred auditions for, you know, young father and not getting it. You know what I mean? I finally found this sort of um, enlightenment that was bigger than like material, you know, than materialism. And so now it's just like, you know, I want the first book. I want the second book. I want the third book. I'm flipping the first book into a documentary. I've had these meetings all week pitching the show to all these networks and and I'm partnered with Iman, the legendary, you know, supermodel. And I get to see Iman's face on Zoom every day. And so it's just like, there's like this weird sense of like joy that I found in telling other stories and not always having it be about my own story or working my own agenda. You know what I mean? Mm. So I don't know how long that's going to last. <laughs> no, I, lo- I think that's so beautifully said, by the way, uh, just so eloquent. And I think yeah, I mean, when you find joy, that's what it's all about, right? I think that's sort of where you're—you can kind of tell, like, I, that's your sweet spot. You found what you're supposed to be doing when you when you feel that way, and when you feel peace and joy. And I think that's—it's literally without being, you know, too cliche, but that's what life's about. That's it. You found it. <laughs> that's that's part of the big secret. And I found it during a pandemic. I found twenty pounds overweight. I found, <laughs> I found it without a man. You know, because as Allison will tell you, I was always like between boyfriends, like who's next? And oh, I'm going on a date with this guy. And, da, 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 da. and now you can't date, right? Now, like hypothetically, you can't date, Allison. <laughs> no, but, I'm in a relationship, by the way. <laughs> I know you can't date. During the pandemic, Allison. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> it was my one date on the pandemic, and it turned into a, a long relationship, in my defense. But me, you know, I'm on like Raya. I'm on like all these apps trying to find love. And 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 I think it was like in a lot of ways, it was like a distraction to distract me from really turning inward and looking at myself and trying to figure out what it was that may have made me happy, you know, mm-hmm. or who I was and 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 what I needed to do to maybe get to the next space. And so I will say this, I'm ready for this to be over so that I can go out and have sex again. <laughs> Amen to that. Uh, I'm hashtag, I can't do that. Yes, me as well. <laughs> me she can't well. say me too. I can't do that. This isn't that kind of show. Hashtag me too. I'll cut that out. <laughs> wrong me too movement. Wrong oh, one. Wrong me too. I have a more positive me too movement. <laughs> it's like, please me. Uh, please, please me. Please me. Please, me please movement. <laughs> Oh, it's the me, please, please me movement. You're welcome. You're welcome, world. That came from I love that. the brain that is here. That's really good. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us. That was exactly what we were looking for. And your story is very inspirational. Where can we get your book? Because that's what I'm going to do this weekend on the beach when it's warm. I'm going to read your book. Awesome. Um, the book is kind of everywhere. Of course, it's on Amazon, but don't buy it from Amazon. Go to your neighborhood bookstore. Mm. You know, they're struggling right now. Yeah. Even if you go to the neighborhood bookstore, go online and order it from them. And one of the best parts of the book was um, the experience of going to bookstores and doing and doing book signings. And if you live in L.A., the book is at Book Soup. Book Soup was a huge supporter of the book. Yeah. And and they have signed copies. And I think there's nothing chicer than having a signed copy of a book or gifting somebody a signed copy of a book. And I know so, where I'm going to get my signed copy. <laughs> You'll hear a knock on your door. <laughs> you do mean sign your own book, though, right? Like, I can't go other places and just sign random books. And that's... <laughs> okay. I'm just making sure. I just want to be clear what's more endearing. <laughs> 
don't want you getting arrested at Barnes and Noble for signing like one. She's going to sneak Look in. in the paper tomorrow and if just, they still exist. Signing first edition of Tolstoy. Megan arrested at Book <laughs> Soup for signing all of Marcellus's books. She took what he said wrong. <laughs> just trying to find a better life in 2021. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Marcellus. Thank you for having me. This was fun. I haven't laughed this much during pandemic. <laughs> well, we're always here. Oh, we're always goodness. here. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. We love you. You are a breath of fresh air. You are sunshine personified. Thank you for being oh, here. You know I love you, neighbor friend. So <laughs> nice. To you. Oh, Bring shit. me back. I'll come back with the second book. Yes, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh Maybe my you can god. Come and join us in person. In person. Amazing. Yeah. Done. Thank you. You can join us in our crazy person padded room. (laughs) My fashion poses. Did I do well? Oh, yeah. Nailed it. Welcome person. (laughs) Let's do it. Awesome. Bye. Wow. (laughs) Nailed it. It was actually really good. I always love when I make people laugh. And um, that's kind of like what I live for is to make people laugh. So I'm glad he laughed at my jokes. That makes me happy. But that's exactly the stories we're looking for. Uh, it's from Marcellus. Those stories of you don't expect good things to happen in a terrible time, but somehow sometimes they do. And I like the idea of not focusing on a relationship. Like it, I liked I t- mentioned that at the end, but people who you know are struggling to find a relationship, like me, are struggling to find somebody. The minute you stop looking and just start focusing on yourself, everything gets better. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think there's obviously there's a place for that. But I think what they say, you know, that old adage about, you you know, you really aren't ready for somebody else until you really are able to love yourself. That's totally true. And so I think while a relationship is obviously great, if you are at that point where you're using it as a distraction for other things, and you haven't really haven't really dug down and like gotten through those top couple of layers that you need to sort through, I think it's probably a great idea to just be able to be along with your thoughts a little bit more. Yes. Agreed. Okay. So are you ready for our this week's good news stories? Yeah. Amazing. So the first thing in light of what we just were talking about as far as the homelessness situation and the police and their interaction, um, wanted to say that there is some good stuff happening. Now, obviously, we all know this summer when there was the, the – um, all of the racial unrest happening, which was obviously for a very good reason, that there were calls to defund the police department. Now, different people had different ideas about what that meant. Some people literally were saying, hey, we don't want to have police. Probably a very extreme small portion of people, I hope. Um, But the rest of the people, I think what they were meaning is that essentially they wanted to allocate funds from the police to professionals who can deal with certain situations and are more qualified to deal with them better than the police can. Um, so essentially that is what happened in Denver. They replaced cops with healthcare workers for mental health incidents. And as of their six-month progress report, according to uh, according to certain sources in their reports, they've saved a bunch of lives. Um, essentially this was – Basically happening last summer, they decided to start this test and they decided that they were going to allocate these resources to healthcare workers, um, specifically who knew how to deal with mental health and substance abuse issues. And apparently it's been greeted with great success. And this was a new program. And I think they're calling it the STAR program, which stands for the Supported Team Assisted Response and essentially, they dispatch again healthcare workers, not cops, when responding to um, responding, pardon me, to incidents involving mental health, poverty, homelessness, or substance abuse specifically. Um, basically, in a nutshell, this team responded to 748 calls from trespassing to welfare checks to narcotic incidents to mental health episodes. And basically that 748 fewer times the police department was called, they were saying. And so basically they're they're saying it saved lives and saved money. And so it was, according to their reports, a success story. And it sounds like it was. So I thought that was kind of a good news story and something that maybe we can all look at and see how we might be able to roll that out in other cities um, as sort of, a, you know, a test, a pilot to see if that might work for us. That's Denver. 
Denver, my yeah. home state. Mm-hmm. Yep, they know. All right, they're all more, right. They're a little more progressive than us, you did. folks. Well, to be fair, also, I would like to compare. Just to be fair to California, compare the, like their numbers to ours. Um, so I'm glad we rolled it out in that city. I'm, I should just stand up for. I'm I like mean, trying so hard to be like instance, I moved away for a reason. <laughs> I can't. Like yes. Okay, well, I mean, I think, I think it's just, and they have some. You know, there's some good things happening in that state. But yeah, that's a good thing to do. Yeah. Um, but the the amount of people, I'm just scared with the amount of people we have right now, especially out here. It's just, and then it, this it's almost is, too little, too late. But yeah. hopefully, we can figure out something. So this is what scares me now. Likewise, the gentleman who's living in my parking space. Um, <laughs> yeah, God, and I don't mean to make fun of that, but it's just a crazy situation. I, I'm but, laughing because, like, what the what do you do? I know. Ellie's like this petite, like tall, beautiful. Like, she's gonna go up to him and be like, "Please, sir." Please, sir, can I park my car? No, of course she's not going to do that. I'm just going to go on the streets yeah, and not bother him. Please, sir, can I park my car? Uh, but um, but in any event, so there was an article that uh, CBS News wrote recently based on um, the Treatment Advocacy, Advocacy Center, pardon me. And basically what they came up with was that people, which totally makes sense given, again, the guy in my parking lot, mm-hmm. but the people who have untreated mental illness are as much as 60 times more likely to be killed during a police encounter. Um, and those who have an untreated severe mental illness um, are likely to be in, maybe killed in even half of those encounters. So like 50 percent ratio just because they're mentally imbalanced and that cop's going to think they're dangerous or they might be dangerous. Well, they might be dangerous. Yeah. So anyway, those statistics are pretty darn high. So if we can we get something. the right help to these people – and the people that are trained to deal with mental illness, you know, cops are because of who they are and because of the power that they wield. Uh, they are trained to, you know, if somebody's in their space or physically presenting um, some kind of a threat to them, they are told to fire. They are told to do these things and that's their job. So I think we really need to we need to keep the cops for sure. But we need to also bring in some other people who know about these other issues. Yeah. The more sensitive issues. Yeah. Uh, that the cops might not know about. We should have Dr. Drew on. He's passionate about this. We should. We should try to get him. We'll we see if I can pull some <laughs> strings. I don't have a Bring lot of strings in. to pull. But Dr. Drew, come on down. Dr. Drew, come talk to us about mental health and what we need to do to help yeah. people. We need to do some brainstorming because it's just uh, we have a lot of work to do. Do you know my boss, Nate Adams, um, director of several films? He... Award-winning documentaries. Award, if you sorry, ask him. I should have been <laughs> award-winning documentaries. He got stabbed, really, by a homeless person. No, in L.A., almost died. Oh my god, I had no idea. He was out to dinner with a girl at a restaurant, and the guy like walked in and just sat at his table and was like causing trouble. Oh god. Oh yeah, and then the he's like, "Do you want to take this outside?" Someone said something around that line, and Nate said, "Sure," and followed him out. And right oh, on no. their way out, the guy turned around and stabbed him. And Nate didn't really realize what was going on until he looked down and his shirt was torn. Oh, God. And he pushed the guy out and closed the door um, and had other people in the restaurant came and helped hold the door. And then that guy went and stabbed another person, like, down the block at, like, a strip club. That's crazy. That's That's crazy. He survived, just so everyone knows. (laughs) If you couldn't. I assumed he did because I talked to him tonight. (laughs) If you guys didn't know, he lived. Not to make fun. He lived. He lived. I was like, what? He told me the story like two days ago. So we need help. Dr. Drew, come on the show. We need help. We'll <laughs> we need help. We'll help with anything. That's the goal. Do you have any other good news? I do. I do. So, all right. I've got another light. Let me, I'm going to switch gears. I had another story I wanted to share for the other good news thing this week, but I'm going to totally switch gears and make it something a little bit lighter after that last story. Oh, I know. We're getting dark today. We're getting a little dark. I'm trying so, to be humorous about it, though, guys. For your light of refreshing sunshine. And again, do you want me to do for refreshing sunshine? There music? was a. Do, do. That's keep all going. You. Do your do your thing. Do your thing. There was a small win last Thursday in the wake of the Free Britney movement and the new documentary release on Hulu. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> okay. Oh, <laughs> so Brittany actually went to court. You guys probably heard this lately. I haven't heard anything about this. I'm waiting to watch. So anything. Okay. Is so this be is not. I'm not talking about the documentary. This okay. is like what actually happened in the real court case. Real life this happened a week ago Tuesday. Okay. Um. And by the time this airs, it'll have been almost two weeks ago. 
But basically, as you probably know, her father has been given, which is kind of absurd, when she went through her mental health issues, speaking of mental health, to Mm -hmm. bridge that gap, in 2008, and that's when he was awarded uh, this conservatorship, basically. And what that means is that he has control over all of her finances and basically all of her all of her other well-being as well. He was in control of her life, basically. Any big decision had Why to go didn't through. my parents go after me for my stuff? Do you have $60 million? <laughs> oh. Also, I think she's legitimately had some mental health issues. I do, too. Not like Britney. Funny how my parents didn't come after me. Not like this poor girl. No. But anyway, um, so they were – he was appointed as a, a financial fiduciary as well as a counselor, that kind of thing. And this was now – Well, first of all, fiduciary. Yeah. So has fidu- the word douche in it. Let's be real. <laughs> Let's be real. Continue. It, it does, yeah. You're welcome. Um, and it just means, you know, they're responsible for another being and – Fiduciary. Fiduciary, yes. Sorry, I didn't finish that. Oh, amazing. Um, <laughs> anyway, so Brittany has been under this this strict situation now ever since. And, you know, arguably she's been working, she's been touring, and she's mm-hmm. been doing other things. And so to have – that kind of situation still in place for so long oh, yeah. where the person is very high functioning as she has been is very unorthodox. And that's why people have been coming forward saying, you know, free Britney. This is kind of bullshit. Um, we owe some money. We don't have our bell with us today. Ding. So that's more money for I saw charity. her playing with her kids in a video like yeah. the other day. So adorable. Yeah. So essentially, though, she's been kind of given a bad, a bad thing. She only gets, I think, 30 percent visitation supervised with her children. Before that, I think it was even less. It was really bad. It was horrible. And, of course, no control over any of her money. She didn't even have credit cards. She had to, like, ask for permission for everything that she purchases. So anyway, this the whole thing was kind of um, very uncharacteristic. And so people spoke up and they spoke out and they said, hey, this isn't cool. You know, the hashtags and the whole social media movement. Anyway, the good news is that resulted in a, in a hearing. So they did they did actually address that. And the good news is, is that now there is a third party who is going to essentially be her co-fiduciary who will oversee her father's stuff as well. You know, the oversight still controlling. He's less controlling. So basically something's got to be really wrong with the her. The father can be kicked to the curb at any time because Brittany's been trying to get rid of the father. But that didn't happen this time. They go back to court next month and they can try it again to basically oust him entirely. But for right now, they're at like a happy medium half point where she has a bank basically overseeing an objective bank overseeing all of her money. So at least, you know, hopefully she won't be taken advantage of. That's Step in the right something, direction. But something's we're missing something. Yeah, it's still it's still for them be... not to just completely say, okay, no, your dad doesn't need to control your money at your age, and you're fine. We're missing like a whole. Well, she was in t- in 2018. Apparently, she um, was committed again, or went to okay. seek some. So help. I'm missing all that. Part yeah. Of it. So there's a little bit more to it. And again, I'm not a Britney Spears expert by any means, but um, it seemed to me that it felt like this was. An unwarranted response to somebody who's able to work and earn their own income, and it felt like it wasn't it wasn't right. So basically, long story short, she now says that she's scared of her father, and she refuses to tour or do any live performances until he's no longer overseeing her Me funds. Me too. And I, I would give too. her a lot of yeah. credit because she – I mean she's putting your foot down, and that's I think the smartest thing she can do probably. Uh, don't you think there's worse people out there that should have their money controlled? Probably. I mean, me, <laughs> but I don't have any money to. <laughs> anyway, Brittany is half free. Brittany's That's half good free. news. Damn it. She's half free. That's good for her. Yeah. I want her to be full well, 50% free. to freedom. I think I want to be. To I don't know her. Sublime song, 50 ounces to freedom, 50% to freedom. We're going to get ripped the fuck apart. I think it's 20, o- 20 ounces. 40? 40, 40 ounces. Is That's that what it, it is. That's a four. Okay, so we don't drink 40s, clearly, but... <laughs> We must that up. Please don't rip us apart. I'll just edit it out. Sorry. Forty ounces to freedom. <laughs> Are you a Sublime fan? I mean, back in back in I don't know junior high, I guess. Oh my gosh, I was such a Sublime fan, and I think it was because my um, boyfriends all like Sublime or Incubus or all that at the time. All right, so I'm going to Oklahoma City next weekend. You are. I am. And uh, I'm going – I'm following Adam Kroll. I'm going to sell some merchandise. So if anyone listens to this who's going to Oklahoma City's uh, – I think it's called Brick – Bricktown Theater. Shoot. I forget. 
Brick Something Theater. Oh, I'm the worst. Uh, I will be there. I'll be hanging out all weekend, so come say hi. I also have a question of the week pertaining to Oklahoma City, and I thought I would record myself maybe doing this Mm -hmm. and then playing it for you just to make you laugh. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the question was, uh, what pickup lines should I use? Because bars are open there. Like I can go talk to people in bars. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. <laughs> That's a throwback. <laughs> nice job. So I asked people, what pickup line should I use in OKC? Uh, Rob C. said, is it okay to see you? Get it? Okay to, to see, see you. you sometime. Wow. Do you, do you have a pickup line, Allie? Specifically for Oklahoma City. <laughs> or just, <laughs> can you ride me around with your Surrey at the fringe on top? Oh, my God. Wow. She did. Uh, you miss it at home, Oklahoma. but she did a whole. Oklahoma. I know. She did a whole movement did, with yeah. that. I know. I'm so old. Actually, I was thinking of When Harry Met Sally, they play that song. Oh, yeah. That's Gosh, worth I need to write, watch that, those movies. Those, all those. Worth rewatching. Aww. Worth revisiting. And Sleepless in Seattle. And Sleepless in Seattle. Yes. Me too. Yeah. I, can, I got that on my list. I got to rewatch. Maybe I'm encountering some resistance from my um, my male counterpart. Counterpart <laughs> about watching Sleepless. Yeah, he doesn't. He's not so stoked on it. <laughs> he wants to watch Teen Wolf instead. Okay, we have some differences All right. there. Yeah, let's not. Luis, who knows me, and if you guys listen to one of our episodes, he said you should just tell him you're a homeowner. <laughs> That's Megan's pickup line. It's if my there's, pickup line anyway. If, if there's no luck right right in the outset. Just drop in the fact that you're a homeowner. Someone's this pickup line. I have a vagina. That's it. Wow. Creative. Patrick. Does that work? I bet it does. I mean. Unless they were questioning. Inherently, like, that's kind of why they're talking to you in the first place. So I'm sure it might not be the least effective. No, this isn't them talking to me. Like, I'm going up to them and saying. Oh, I see. Yeah. I mean, still, you know, he's got a he's got kind of a point though. That's sort of like cutting down to the chase. I know <laughs> it's efficient. I heard Gary England predicted a tornado in your bedroom tonight, and you know he's never wrong. I think that's an Oklahoma City like a joke. Local weather reporter. <laughs> <laughs> this guy Jacob T said, "Being an Oki, I guess that's what they call themselves. Yeah, I feel obligated do. to chime in." So he also said, "Yell! I should yell." Boomer! What does that mean? I don't know, but hopefully Oklahoma <laughs> City people, you're all about it. I guess just do it and see if it works. And, and then, please film that if you do that. I want to see. The, I will. I see I, and we can play it. Over. I want to see here. if it goes over like with applause or. Oh, like, I'm gonna get. Way, I'm gonna know. ignore like a motherfucker. But the good thing is, I have like eight friends that are gonna ding ding boomers. Sorry. They're gonna. They're gonna be. They're gonna be behind me watching. Uh, do you know why my friends call me Texas? Because I blow. Oh, because Oklahoma does. I don't think. Maybe there's a rivalry. Oklahoma and Texas, there is a rivalry. Didn't even know that. Yeah. Well, you guys. Is that with the sports ball? <laughs> Between you and Matt D'Andrea and sports ball. <laughs> it was my thing first. He took it from he me. He did take it from yeah, you. That was my thing. But I don't know why he would have taken that from you. It's claim... not something to be proud of. No, it's awesome. <laughs> And if you're of that camp, you also will think it's awesome. <laughs> Hence the appropriation. But that's all the, the ones I got for Oklahoma City. Uh, if you have any more, keep listing them because I'm leaving in a week. Oh, I've got a re- relative one? who's the coach of one of the teams there, the, the basketball. What was that? Thunder. He's coaching. Coach did you just do a free throw? I did. <laughs> With one arm? Yeah. <laughs> He's a coach? Of the, of the OKC. A relative? Thunder. Yeah. His name's Billy Donovan, and he's my mom's second cousin. Cool. Does Billy want to hang out? Maybe. <laughs> Billy? <laughs> it's the most awkward. Billy? <laughs> I know Allie. That's what I do everywhere anyways, just so you know. <laughs> That's how I get into everywhere. Amazing. They're like, who's Allie? Like, you know Allie? <laughs> it gets me in anywhere. Oh, 
man. Awesome. Well, we want to thank uh, Marcellus for coming on and talking to us. You can follow us. Ali, that's your, your thing. Yeah, you can follow us at Lemonade the Pod on Instagram. We also have a Gmail account at the same name. It's LemonadeThePod at gmail.com if you want to correspond with us or have any questions. And also, again, we'd encourage you, if you do want to get involved in any philanthropic endeavors, um, we will have a list available for you. But right now, we are um, partnering with 12 Months of Giving, who are doing some amazing thing to help um, the homeless population, as we just talked about today, and uh, make their lives a little easier. Yes, thank you. Even though we, we try to joke and have fun, yes, that stuff's serious, and we are we are trying to do stuff to help, so please help us out, too. Oh, yeah, and buy some Girl Scout cookies. Um, you can do that online. <laughs> Allie came in with a bunch of Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> but the Girl Scout cookies, they're selling them all online. The good news is now with um, with not being able to sell them in person, now they're all online, so you can actually support whatever troop you want nationwide. Uh, we purchased them for Troop 6000, which is based in New York City. They are uh, supporting the girls who are – basically being totally housed by the New York City shelter system. So they're kind of a unique troop. Um, They need your support, and I'm sure a lot of other uh, troops as well. Thank you so much, and we will see you next time, right? Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.